Hello and welcome to Cardinal Cameos, where we highlight the incredible work happening in and around Orchard View. Welcome to part one of a two-part series where we'll explore some of the ways we can help support our most unique learners. In today's episode, we'll talk with Jennifer Lane Roy, teacher of students who qualify at the middle school and regionally throughout the Eastern Service Unit as being on the autism spectrum. Hi, my name is Jen Lane Roy, and I am the teacher of the autism program at Orchard View Middle School. So you work with kids from all over the county who come to a program here in Orchard View Middle School because programs like this don't exist in every school. Talk a little bit about this program and how it supports some of our, really in some ways, some of our more vulnerable learners. The goal of the program is to expose these students to a general education class as much as possible and give them some experience and exposure to general education peers. At this point in their school career, they aren't able to handle being in a general education environment for the whole day. Uh, Sometimes it could be due to uh, anxiety. It could be sensory overload. There could be several different factors that are inhibiting that. But they don't need to be in a center-based program because they can handle some interactions with their peers and they crave that whether they're capable of handling it or not. And so the goal of the program is sort of to give them this safe home base where they can come and they can be if they're stressed. We can work through difficult behaviors and then they can go and shine in gen ed with their peers and show off the skills they've learned, but if they ever do get overwhelmed, have this safe pace to come back to. So I heard you describe in a lot of ways um, these feelings of being overwhelmed by things that maybe the rest of us are able to navigate a little bit easier. Do you have like an example that would help folks out there understand? There are a couple of pretty good sources of information for that. There's a video that I know some of our staff and students have been exposed to that shows what it would be like to be in public with sensory overload. And uh, I believe it's in a shopping mall and it shows all of the sights and sounds that are overwhelming. And it sort of would remind you of a scene in a TV show or a movie where someone is in an explosion and so their hearing is very much interrupted and, and difficult. And then they're having a tunnel vision where they're seeing bright lights but maybe not able to make out shapes that can happen to these students, for lack of a a better way to describe it, anytime during the day. If they're stressed, if their senses are heightened, if something rubs them the wrong way, it could be very challenging to navigate a situation that they've navigated a hundred times before, but maybe today their shirt tag is itching them. And so everything else is not coming together the way that it should. And they're hypersensitive, sort of like the way we might feel if we're really tired or not feeling well and things bother us that wouldn't normally bother us. It's almost like their senses are dialed up to overload, like in some ways. That is exactly what it's like. And it can be for any of their senses. So we see it demonstrated a lot with vision and hearing, but 
this can be with texture and taste and smell and touch. A lot of people will have challenges with specific fabrics or specific cuts of clothing that they're comfortable wearing or not comfortable wearing. So talk a little bit about the learners that you have in your room. I mean, I know they have some incredible abilities. How does this program help support those abilities and help them to be successful? When we talk about autism, we usually shorten it from autism spectrum disorder. And so it really is a spectrum, meaning that we have people that are operating at all different levels within it. And that is with regards to several different factors. One of the things that comes up is socialization and social skills. And there's always going to be a bit of a deficit in that, but it's how do we overcome it? What skills do we do we teach to do that? We have three students that are operating in very different realms socially. Uh, we have one student who the kids that are in our peer-to-peer group that are general education students have said to him, why are you in this classroom? You seem just like us. What's, what's going on? And we have another student who chooses not to talk. He can talk, but he really doesn't like to. And so if he screams or he gestures or he grunts, he's found that that will get him what he wants. And so he chooses to do that instead. And we have another student who does talk and and does interact, but has some challenges with instructions or accepting no for an answer and sometimes has some violent episodes they're kind of all over the place with their social skills levels right now and their behaviors and their needs in the classroom. I think that's really a great part of our class is that it is such a spectrum and each of our students really helps us see that. They really demonstrate that. I think about middle school being one of those times where socialization is almost, it should be its own class on how to socialize in middle school. So it's cool to hear the peer-to-peer program that you guys have going. One of the aspects of being on the spectrum often is following rules and being very rule-focused and rigid in thinking. And so if something is against the rules, it's always against the rules. So now how do we learn that our peers are starting to experiment with bending rules? So when we encounter things different, sometimes we're not sure how to navigate those waters. So I'm just wondering, do you have any advice for folks out there listening who either may A, encounter a student that has been placed on the autism spectrum disorder or how to navigate the waters with students who may present with some of those behaviors? That is a really good question. And I feel like the answer, if it was able to be succinct, would be worth a million dollars right now. (laughs) Best I could say, you know, my rule in general is going to be don't take anything personally. There may be some strange things that happen and some antisocial behaviors and just remembering that it It's really not about you. It's about them and and what they're doing at that time. And then not taking it personally if they don't say hello back or if they ignore you or if they yell at you when you try to talk to them, staying calm, having a calm demeanor and a quiet voice is always going to be helpful. I, I feel like I need to put the caveat in that this is a very rudimentary discussion of autism. And so there could probably be people that are on the spectrum listening to this saying, that's not true. It, it right, isn't true for, all, for everyone. And everyone is different. Yeah. Exactly. But 
when we when we look at working with particularly kids with autism, we need to do what's called pairing. When you look at a typically developing or a neurotypical child, they are usually reinforced with praise and with smiles and social interactions. And when we look at a child on the spectrum, depending on where they fall on the spectrum, they may not get that reinforcement Mm. from that. And so the smile that you give and encouragement and you say good job to one kid, this kid, it means nothing to. When we're in a school, there's no social contract, there's no buy-in, and there's no instructional control until there is. And so it's called pairing, and we actually pair ourselves to something they like. And the idea is that if I play Uno with this child, and they love playing Uno, after we've played Uno for a little bit, they're going to see me and think, Uno... And they're actually going to care a little bit about what I say and what I do, and I will develop instructional control that way. And so starting my career as a gen ed teacher and working in alternative ed and a lot of things like that, that was a very hard transition for me to make when I started working with individuals with autism because it's not what we're trained to do as teachers at all because I can't really place demands on them until I've developed that relationship to be able to do it. So we've got Sloss, we've got Legos, we've got NASCAR, we've got Reese's and Reese's Pieces. Who doesn't like Reese's Pieces though? I mean, that's a fair question. Um, But one of our kids prefers fruit. Okay. So he, he'll do a lot of stuff for fruit or Skittles. And so it's about finding their, currency, I guess. Mm, that's a good way to put it. And right? so, and so, you know, my currency is going to be having that interaction with another person. Their currency is a little different. And so then it's about working our way to the point where that relationship is intact enough that I don't need to rely on the other currency as much to get the same things done. You know, it reminds me, it was a while ago, that book came out about the different languages, like love languages or whatever it was. So you're talking about how do I, how do these students relate to me and to the world around them and what's sort of their language that makes sense? One of the things that I do that always helps me deal with difficult behaviors is I really view behavior like an algebraic equation. Okay. And so if I have the correct input on my side, I'm going to get the output I want on theirs. Mm-hmm. And it's about figuring out what I need to do to balance this equation. And so with these students, it is oftentimes reinforcing them appropriately. And we do reinforce kids. Grades are a form of reinforcement. Praise is a form of reinforcement. But if grades is abstract and I'm doesn't concrete, anything, right? it doesn't yeah. matter. And so – Skittles matter and I can get them right now and then tokens will matter and then we will ease our way into abstract things mattering. Well, thanks a ton. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. 